for the flu but they showed pictures of them spraying down money before reissuing does that tell you that there could be a about is much bigger than some people want to admit. The American government right now is converting 11 facilities for quarantine near a major cities where the airlines are and some of its military uh, property that they're setting up to get ready in case this happens to come to America. Well, it's already here. And there have been confirmed cases, and there's been confirmed cases now, I think, too, of person-to-person transmission of the disease. President Trump warned not long ago that all... just about sickness and dying this is about disruption to the whole world's economy because so many things are made in China that you can't build anything
being produced because many of the electronic parts and so on are made in China. And Apple can't get the parts to make phones, so don't drop yours because you might not get another one. Now here's a truly scary one. We have big pharmaceutical companies in this nation that supply most of the prescription drugs and most medicines and most pills to We import nearly half of our prescription drugs. Americans are on prescription drugs by the tens of millions. At least a third of us, and probably a lot more than that, depend on pills to keep living, or to keep out of pain, or to keep whatever it is we need to keep. And those pills are about to stop coming here, because they're shut down over there. Now people say, oh, it's not that bad. There was a study done by, what university was it? It slips my mind. Just the other day, and they utilized and pieces and pills from China. And not only that, there may be starvation in China very soon because they cannot feed their own people. They, they import a great amount of food. Now which countries are going to steam their ships into China to and their vote to this virus? I didn't bring the quote in with me today, but I've 
recently read, I was aware of these years ago actually, but they recently come back out. And that is several references in Isaiah 24 
to that very fact that there'll be some people left. essentially, of distress, of trouble, of all kinds of problems, and coming on us and it's coming quickly God only tolerates absolute perversion to a certain point with Sodom and Gomorrah he did use the power of God didn't he he got lost So it's not that. Thousand years, or 
almost done since Christ started his ministry and proclaimed the Jubilees. So he's not going to put up with this much longer. I had a thought this morning, and this is in a way related, and I said it would be appropriate things, but our perversion plays into this a great deal. And when God gets to the point, he says, I won't take it any more, as he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. Putin was quoted this week as saying that as long as he... And Some people like this. Some people like that. They don't like male and female. Male and female fit together and in terms of delivering water they form a seal so that the water doesn't leak out. If you've done any plumbing at all you know that the parts fit together perfectly and they make a seal. Now what if a plumber tries to put a male and a male together? They don't fit together and the water leaks. They try to put female and female together, and it doesn't work, and the water squirts out. Now, they also don't have 93 different, uh, what's the word I was using, uh, genders in plumbing parts. What if they had one that's half female and half male and half... And and one that's half dog and half bird, or whatever. <laughs> and here you go to the plumbing store, and you know what? I find it's difficult enough to get the right size of male and female, and just the exact right connections. You have to study it out to be sure you get half inch to half inch in male to female. 
one inch to three quarter inches doesn't work too well. They don't fit together right. So you got to get the right parts and then you can make your plumbing work and you don't have any water leaks. Now what if instead of just a male and female there, they had 93 different varieties that you could possibly put together. Now how long is it going to take you to go up and down the plumbing line to find the ones that will fit together? Total and utter confusion. And total and utter confusion is what we're getting in our nation today because of this labeling things that are actual perversions, genders. No, let's use the right, let's use the right terms. Weird, queer. Doesn't work. Doesn't fit. Isn't what God made. It's not genders. It's perversions. Let's understand that. And God does not like it. He's going to stop it. This thing from China has all the earmarks of becoming a worldwide pandemic. Now, maybe it's possible that it won't happen. But it's already loose in, what, at least 24 countries. And it's expanding pretty rapidly. And on the cruise ships that are tied up and can't go anywhere, uh, it's expanding rapidly among the crew and the people that are there. So it is highly contagious. What is this going to do to the multi, multi-billion tourist trade around the world? And the cruise ships and the airplanes that haul these passengers and the facilities where they stay and the fishing guides and everything else that's involved in worldwide tourism. It's shutting down as we speak because... If there's any chance that there's somebody on one of those boats that has the virus, they can't even go to port in most places. They don't want them. How are you going to haul food? China exports a lot of stuff to here. You're going to buy some more Chinese tilapia? I'm not. You know what I've done? I've already shut down two B&B operations we have here put everything on blocked and hold because where do people come from? They come to my house. You can look at the map over there. They come from all over Asia, all over Europe, some from South America, Australia. I've had Chinese living right here in this house and over in the other one. No. (laughs) I'm not going to have people coming here from all over the world. Now, God has told us that it won't come near our dwelling and people will die at our right and our left hand. But he also says, tempt not the Lord your God. So he's promised us protection if we'll do what we should do. But I'm not going to invite people here from all over the world anymore. I say businesses are going to shut down. This one has. It's done. No more. Unless this thing completely blows over and we have another five years ahead of us, which I don't believe is the case. We need to take this seriously. 
Another thing that's happening. Our Attorney General Barr just stated yesterday that he is not going to prosecute Andrew McCabe. Now, Andrew McCabe is one of those leading weird Democrats that has committed all kinds of treason against the United States of America. Dave Hodges did a little segment on him and on this. And he said, you cannot trust our government at all anymore. If they're not going to prosecute Andrew McCabe, law and order is completely out the door. Why is there any reason to obey any law anymore? Because Washington, D.C. is absolutely ignoring all law. Why aren't Bill and Hillary in jail? Why isn't Obama in jail? They have committed high treason against the U.S. people by giving arms, uranium, to the, to the Chinese, and on and on and on it goes. That's your leading people in Washington. They're absolute out-and-out criminals, and even the Trump administration, which was supposed to be cleaning out the swamp, is doing nothing about these abject, outright criminals. So why should anybody obey anymore? Dave said, get as far from government as you can get. Set yourself up off the grid with solar. Get food. Get ready. Trouble is coming. Because without the law being kept in Washington, pretty soon it will not be kept anywhere. And you cannot depend on the government to help you in any way. This on the heels of the announcement that there is a crisis brewing in California in April. They owe, I think it was, I think the quote was $420 billion in, uh, oh, a variety of things, uh, welfare programs, uh, retirement funds, all kinds of things that go out to people. That they are out of money and it will all come to a head in April. Now, if all those people in Washington, I mean in California, who are depending on uh, welfare for food, depending on uh, money coming in from their retirement funds, if all that stops, how long do you think until there's civil disorder in California? Those people expect their retirement checks, but the funding is not there. It's all gone. And it comes to a head in April when it's empty. We are facing some serious, serious problems. Isaiah 1, I was turning to as that thought came to my mind. Verse 21, How has the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment, but righteousness lodged in it. But now murderers, the silvers become gross, your wine mixed with water. The princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Does this sound like the modern Democrat and Republican parties? Everyone loves gifts. Several of them have received 
illegal donations. Top leading Democrats, 2.7 million each, several of them. They love gifts and follow after rewards. They judge not or don't care about the fatherless or the widow and so on. Somewhere in here it says, and this is what came to my mind. Oh, here it is, over here in, in verse 5. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. It's happening. The whole head is sick. That's our government. It's sick. And the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. Unstable. About to fall apart. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed. This is just like running wounds throughout our government. From the head to the foot. Neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Nothing is being done about it. It's just getting worse and worse, day by day. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. That means strangers are coming in. And even while we're still here, they're going to take over. They will destroy a third of us by the sword and take a third of us captivity as slaves overseas and here as they need us. This will be preceded by famine and pestilence so that we are weakened. And that's what the Chinese communists have said 14 and 20 years ago. We're developing this to destroy the American people. Now, was he lying then? I think he was telling the truth on that one. And they probably have unleashed this in their own country first, because they need to get rid of some people. they got a billion and a half there. They can't feed them all. And then it's easy to say, well, it just spread. But how many are coming across the border with a sack of dead birds or on airplanes or however? You know, it was nearly a month from the time this thing started over there before we even considered cutting back on the flights. Over the next few weeks, this could just become worldwide. Because the contagion is out there. Now, God tells us right here that they'll come in among us and that we'll be desolate. And it tells us in many scriptures I read you last week that famine and pestilence are coming. So that's scripture. That's Bible. That's the word of God. Now, whether this is the one that sets it all off, we don't know for sure yet. But it certainly has all the earmarks and appears that way and they have been able to prove scientifically that this isn't something that came from a bat, but it is a bioweapon. They can tell by the structure of it that it's been designed that way. And scientists here, universities, have checked it out and proved that to be true. So why is the U.S. government preparing places of quarantine? Let's go to Proverbs for a moment. Proverbs 6. 
and pick it up in verse 4. Give not sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Ninety plus percent of Americans are asleep, figuratively speaking. They have no clue of what's going on. They don't realize how close to outright rebellion ruler against ruler is about to occur in Washington, D.C. They have no idea, many of them, how dangerous the coronavirus is and think, oh, it's just the flu, it's, it's nothing, don't worry about it. Some people are waking up and getting kind of excited about it because they got people coming from all over. You go to St. George. How many cars come through St. George every day from California, from Las Vegas, headed north? How many come from the north and from Salt Lake, headed south? <coughs> How many of those cars stop for gasoline and drinks and snacks? How many stay in motels? How many people fly in and out of the St. George Airport every day from points all over the nation with flights that originated in Atlanta or Chicago or New York from everywhere in the world, including China still? We don't know where this is. It shows up here. It shows up there. It shows up somewhere else. Is it going to start showing up more and more? When is it going to be unsafe to go to St. George? Maybe it already is. The symptoms don't show for 24 days. Some people never even have symptoms and they just fall over. I've seen pictures of people just falling over in the streets. And people, bodies everywhere. The government is lying, the Chinese government, about how widespread this is. When you quarantine 400 million people now, you've got a serious problem on your hands. Those people can't go out for food. They can't go out to work. Some of them have even had bars welded over their doors so they can't even get out. How many years have they done that over the flu season? Never. We haven't either. Have, we, have you ever heard that we're going to have a bad flu season this year, so we're going to set up quarantine places, 11 of them around our major cities? You've never heard of that. It's happening today. They're expecting trouble. All right, let's go on here. Deliver yourself as a robe from the hand of the hunter. I don't know whether you've hunted or not, but when deer or elk hear footsteps and smell man and hear a gunshot or two, they start screaming out of here, wherever they are. <laughs> I said boo once to a herd of elk hidden in the trees, and it took 20 minutes before I heard trees and twigs start snapping down the mountain. Flee as a roe from the hand of the hunter. They panic. 
and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Fowler sends out his hawk from off his arm. Do the birds take off? You bet they do. So he's telling us we need to be prepared to get away from whatever is coming. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Don't be lazy. Don't be nonchalant. Don't be laying a sin, lukewarm. Consider the ant and her ways and be wise. Learn wisdom from the ants, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, no one's there telling them what to do day by day. They have within them the innate instinct to take care of themselves. And God programmed it within them what they were to do. So there's nobody there telling them what to do. You don't have to have the government telling you everything to do and when to do it and how to do it. Because you're supposed to use your own mind and think about what needs to be done if there's a hunter coming. There is one. God says the Assyrian is coming to hunt us, to hunt us down and to kill us, and to take us as slaves if we're young enough and strong enough to be one. Otherwise, we die. They're coming. Now, what does the ant do? She provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. She knows that there's six months coming when she can't go out and clip off twigs and leaves and things to take into the ant's nest to feed on through the winter. So, she does it in the summer. She, while there is something there to get, she gets it. She doesn't wait till winter hits and starvation is at the door to go out and try to find something to eat. Does she? She knows it's coming. Well, she doesn't really. She can't think. But her instinct tells her, there's something there, I better get it, because there's coming a winter in which there's nothing, and I'll need to eat. And I'll need to feed all those eggs that are going to be young ants next spring. I've got a few ant beds around my place here. Well, you walk up on them, they sure make me feel lazy. <laughs> They're just racing around, back and forth, forth and back. And if there's a food source handy, there's a whole line of them going back and forth, marching back and forth from the food source. You've seen little sugar ants in the, on your kitchen cabinet over the years? There's just a string of them going back and forth, forth and back, in line. She provides her food in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you wake up and realize what's going on? And yet we say, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that travels, and your want as an armed man. 
An armed man takes everything you have. So you have great want. God tells us that there's an army coming to invade this nation, and they will take everything that there is. And you won't have anything. Those who are depending on the government to feed them are not going to have a government anymore. And it's not going to feed them anymore. There will be no food stamps, no welfare program, no social security, no retirement funds. The banks will all be gone. There will be no money. And if there was money, there's nothing to buy. So they throw it in the street, Zephaniah said. Because it's worthless. The cities, when quarantine starts, will not have trucks moving in with food day by day. And people will empty the grocery stores. You've seen it at hurricanes. They clean out the stores. After about two, three days, there will be nothing there for anybody to eat. I think it was last week we read that we'll start eating our own children, our own mates, our own babies, even as they're born. Instead of just aborting them for pleasure's sake, they'll kill them to eat. That's a level of barbarism you and I cannot sit here and comprehend. A mother could not, a normal mother, consider the idea of killing her baby and eating it for breakfast. But it's coming to our nation. And so-called normal people will be doing this. How long will we sleep? How does poverty come on as someone who travels? A rolling stone gathers no moss is an expression we use. You travel around, you're a bum, you don't stop and work, so you don't earn anything. We've got a lot of people like that today. They live off welfare, they live off relatives, they live off dumpsters. Because they have addictions or habits or minds blown by drugs and alcohol. They don't operate anymore. It's all going to stop. There won't be anything. Bumming around won't work. You can't bum off your relatives anymore because they don't got nothing. They wouldn't give it to you if they did. Look to the ant, you sluggard. Wake up. Now, We've read scriptures, and I believe them, where God says he'll take care of us. But does God expect us to do nothing? Well, Proverbs 6 doesn't say do nothing. I can show you a lot of people, or a lot of scriptures, that say that we are to work. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, Paul said in Thessalonians. If a man won't work, God decrees that we should not feed him. That's God's word. Now, we might have sympathy, we might have compassion, we might 
be weak-minded or weak-hearted or whatever. Oh, and I just have to feed them. They're going to die. They don't got nothing to eat. No, Paul made it very clear. If a man does not work, he does not eat. We are not to enable him by feeding him. You want to eat? Go get a job. Just that simple. Do we get it? Or do we lean to our own understanding and say, Oh my, the poor dear. Got to take care of him. He weighs 500 pounds, can't get out of the bed, can't get out the door, wets the bed and poops in it day by day because he can't even get up. But we got to bring him three 25-piece buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken every day. No. Not even if he weighs 140 pounds and won't work, he is not to eat or be fed by anyone else. Do we get it? That's God's word. Now, God is very kind and merciful and loving and compassionate. But there's another side of God that is very violent and will not be mocked. You better see every side of God. That's why he's to be feared. He has the keys of life and death. And he's not going to just say, Oh my, compassion is one of my greatest attributes, so I'm not going to burn these people up in a lake of fire. No. He said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth because some people are going to be burned up. Because he could not have them living in his kingdom forever and ever as troublemakers. As problems. If they will not change and they will not repent, will not overcome, they'll be burned up. God's compassion ends when people will not repent. He says every knee will bow to him. And if we won't bow it, he'll break it. And it will bow. And if the Egyptians won't come up to keep the feast, they'll have no rain. And if you have no rain, you starve to death. You don't have anything to eat. You don't have anything to drink. And you die a very miserable death. Starvation is not a happy thing. So you better see all sides of God. There was that book called Fist of Iron, Gloves of Velvet. This is kind of a catchy title. And I think it has an application. God, Christ, he says, will rule with a rod of iron. And yet, you read another scripture that says he'll gently cradle his lambs. Now, is that a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction. It's the many sides of Christ. There's the harsh side. Witness Sodom and Gomorrah. Witness worldwide destruction in Noah's day. And there's the kind, gentle side. Witness his healings, his help. His blessings, and we've all seen some of his blessings. 
Every one of us here has. We've seen some dramatic healings. We've seen jobs come when no job was there. We've seen all kinds of things where God has blessed. Sometimes during or after a third tithe year. So there is the loving, kind side of God. And there's the other side that is unrelenting and will not tolerate sin in his kingdom. Read Revelation 21. The Father and the Son are ruling here on the earth during the millennium. And it says, none of the unrighteous, none of the unclean will be allowed in the city. They'll still be alive outside the city, but they won't be allowed in. If they repent and worship God, then they'll be allowed in. But not unless. That's why some of these Protestant songs can lead you astray so much. The New Jerusalem, inspiring music, inspiring song. Except it says that anyone can enter in and no one will be denied. Uh-uh. Revelation 21 says some will be denied. Won't be allowed in. We're down to the critical time. God always gives space to repent. And then that space stops. And punishment comes. I believe that has come on our nation. I believe that that eclipse in July or August of 17 was God passing judgment across our land at noon of darkness and that the 430 years ended within a month of that of time God allotted us to be free. And the 70 years of Jeremiah also ended then from the time that Herbert Armstrong started building houses because it would be a long captivity in Babylon. It ended at the same time. And he says, then it will be a short time until this judgment actually begins to be initiated. And I've shown you scriptures that say in the third year, or within three years. I'm going to show you another one here in a minute that indicates the same thing that I didn't use before. Now, I don't know how long it's going to be before God gives us the kind of blessings that show that we don't have to prepare. Now, we know what the ant does. We know what President Trump said. Be ready for six months without anything. Would it be wise if we all had six months' worth of food to sustain us in case from the time that quarantine comes in this nation until God intervenes and protects and helps us? There might only be two weeks. There might be 30 days. There might be four months. What would be wrong with having six months' worth of everything you need now, some of us go to the grocery store or to town 
once or twice or three times a week. Some go once a month. Do you have enough on hand if we get quarantined? I've already quarantined this house from people coming in from all over the world and bringing, possibly bringing the virus with them. I don't want to jeopardize myself or you by bringing people from all over the world here, as I've been doing the last two years, and possibly contaminating you. Now, what if our government does say, we've got a hundred cases now, or we have a thousand cases now, or whatever the number they pick, and the CDC, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, one of the leading ladies there, said this is coming. She stated it unequivocally. It is coming. Now what if I went down there and shut those gates and said the nation is under quarantine and so are we. Put a lock on the gate. And you couldn't get out. For how long? I don't know. This the Spanish flu lasted two years and then burned out. And it killed millions worldwide. It even ended World War One. People got so sick they couldn't fight. This is spread among hundreds of thousands in China now. And they're running their crematoriums day and night, 24-7, and burying people in landfills. We have witnesses from within China who have tweeted these things out. Some of them have disappeared and died. Dr. Lee, who started telling some of these things on Twitter, disappeared. They say he got the virus and died. Maybe. Maybe the virus was... A little lead pill about that big around. Who knows? The truth. There will come a time when we shut this gate. I'll guarantee you. Don't know whether it's with this virus or when, but famine and pestilence are coming. God in heaven says so in this book over and over and over again. And when it happens, that gate is going to be shut. Now, it can be opened, okay? If somebody wants out, we'll open the gate and they can get out. But they will be told, if you go out, you will not come back in. And we'll mean it. And they won't get back in. Whatever it takes to stop them, they will not get back in. Got it? Those are God's laws of quarantine. Go back and read them. If you've got leprosy, if you've got this, if you've got that, you stayed outside the camp until it was over and until you had been examined and made sure you were clean and pure and healthy before you could come back in. Quarantine is a godly thing. 
because it stops communicable disease. Lepers had their own colonies because leprosy was uncurable, short of a miracle from God. So you had to live the rest of your life out somewhere other than in the camp of Israel or the cities later of Israel. Couldn't come back in. You would be killed if you tried. Stoned to death. That's how serious God was about it. Do you think he expects us to go by any less standard? I don't. Because if you have something that's communicable that could kill or hurt someone else terribly, and you come among them, and they die from it, you've committed murder. Because you had something that would kill them that you could have kept away from them and didn't. Let's get serious. Time to wake up. Quit slumbering. Quit being laid of sin. And realize these things are upon us. Now I know there's going to be a gathering. And I think it's coming very, very soon. And people are going to come from all over the world to here. Now I'm not going to bring them in for a room and a bed and breakfast from all over the world, unconverted people. But God is going to bring people from the four corners of the earth, north, south, east, and west, to this piece of land. You ready for that? Didn't I just give you a sermon about trusting God? If this coronavirus, or another one, a pestilence, which God says is coming, is raging worldwide... At the time God selects his 10% and brings them here, they'll come from all over the world. They will have exposed to whatever virus it is, this one or another one, <coughs> because there will be a pandemic. This may be the start of it, it may not. I think it is. You ready to accept people from all over the world that have been exposed I am. We'll open the gates wide. We'll say, come on in. Because we trust that God will heal them. We'll trust that he will not let them bring <coughs> a deadly communicable disease among us. Because he is doing the gathering. This is serious business. This is going to happen. You hadn't thought about it, and I hadn't until this very moment. We're going to have people that have been exposed coming here from all over the world. <coughs> I'm not worried about it. Because that's God's doing. Man's doing will get you killed. God's doing will get you saved. Let's go to... Isaiah 14. I'll go cover a few scriptures here right quick. Isaiah 14 and verse 32. Now this is talking about the time when the world is a wilderness, verse 17, and God's purpose is to cause the Assyrian to tromp down 
the land. But he summarizes that down in verse 32. It says, What shall one then answer the messengers of the nation? Talking about all this destruction that is coming. What's the answer? That the eternal has founded Zion, and the poor of his people shall trust in it. That echoes what I just said. People will come from all over the world during this time of destruction, and they'll trust in the God of Zion, who will protect and help them. Then it talks about the burden of of Moab. You'll recall Moab and Ammon were the two tribes that came forth from the incestual relationship between Lot and his daughters when they thought there were only three people left on earth and they'd better populate the earth. So they got him drunk and had incest. And Moab and Ammon are the product of that incest. I think that the Mormons have a very high percentage of Moab and Ammonite among them. They're the most incestuous group of people that I know of. And it goes all the way back to Lot and his daughters. They're also polygamous uh, by religion. They decry it now, but there's still a lot of them around. They say 60,000 in Utah alone that are still practicing polygamous. So, here we have, in chapter 16, Send you the land of the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness to the mount of the daughter of Zion. Now, we know where Zion is, and we know who the daughter of Zion is, and that's God's remnant people. Okay? So, that identifies geographically where he's talking about, and it identifies who is there that he's talking about. So God himself says that his people will be at Zion, and these people will be at the wilderness of Zion, and is talking about Moab and Ammon. So Moab and Ammon are near Zion. Okay? And it tells them a little further down, that they are to protect and help God's people. So who's here? Mostly Mormons. So if this prophecy is about the area of Zion and God's people, and it's speaking in terms of Moab and Ammon, Moab specifically in this one, then that has to be the people that are surrounding us that live here. That's the Mormons. I mean, that's all the logic you need. That's all the information you need. To understand that. But there's more. For it shall be that as a wandering bird cast out of the nest, doesn't know where to go, what to do, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon, take counsel, execute judgment, make your shadow as the night in the midst of the noonday. In other words, this is speaking of a very dangerous time near Zion, and the daughter of Zion, and Mount Zion. The fords of joy, or the fords of Arnon, the word there means joy. Fords of joy. Where do we get joy? When we come from all over the world, cross the River Jordan, and it will be a joyous time gathering 
at Zion, the fords of Arnon. Hide the outcasts, betray not him that wanders. Here's God speaking. Let my outcasts dwell with you, Moab. Well, we know it's in this area. Zion and Jerusalem are here. And the Moabites are the ones that are in control and that could protect and help God's people. So that means Mormons. They think, for the most part, that they're Israelites. Well, Lot was a nephew of Abraham, and these people are the descendants of Lot and his two daughters. And they're here. Be a covert to them from the face of the spoiler, for the extortioner is at an end. The spoiler ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. So God says the Assyrian will come against us, but he'll be taken away. But he's telling the Mormons to take care of us, to protect us, to help us. And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David. Speaking of Zerubbabel here, ultimately Christ. Judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. Then he talks about the pride of Moab, uh, Mormon pride. Verse 9, the end of it, is talking about this destruction for the shouting uh, for your summer fruits and for your harvest is fallen. Amos talks about uh, a basket of summer fruit. Here it's talking about the summer fruit and the harvest of the Mormons being destroyed. They're going to be hungry too. Gladness is taken away and joy out of the plentiful field. Nobody in the vineyard singing. And things will be bad. Now, go down to verse 14. But now the Eternal has spoken, saying, Within three years, as the years of an hireling, and the glory of Moab shall be condemned with all that great multitude, and the remnant shall be a very small and feeble people. This is talking about Moab. It's talking about those who are in control here. Tells those who are here to help take care of God's people. But their harvest is going to fail and they will be destroyed within three years. Now, didn't we see some scriptures that indicated that once the 430 years were over in America, in Ephraim, that very soon then, it has come, it has come. It won't be the echoing again of the mountains, but it's very near after that 430. And very near after the 70. It was a couple of years before they started building the temple and so on. Uh, so there was a delay. And then it happened. Now, what three years? What are you talking about here? What do you tie it to? I know of nothing else to tie it to than those scriptures that talk about how it's going to come right after the 430 and the 70 end. And we've seen how the temple will start being built within about that period of time, and the destruction of the nation will occur within about that time. And now we see within three years, the Mormons are going down also. 
Is it the same three years? I suspect so. I don't know anything else to tie it to. They're told to help us, and then it says that they will be destroyed, and only a very small, feeble bunch will remain. Up in verse 7 of chapter 15, one point I overlooked, says, Therefore the abundance that they have gotten, speaking of the Moabites, the Mormons, and that which they have laid up, now, there's an identifying factor of the Mormon church. By doctrine, they're supposed to lay up three years' worth of food to sustain themselves for three years. Joe Smith must have gotten that message from the demon Moroni. It's not going to help them. They're going to be destroyed and become feeble, and not many of them left. But that which they have laid up, does the Methodist church lay up three years of food? Do the Baptists, do the Evangelists, do the Catholics? No, just the Mormons. What they've laid up shall they carry away to the brook of the willows. Brook of the willows, that's what Canab Creek translated is, is brook of the willows. <laughs> Ironically or the Creek of the Willows, Indian name. Willows grow along Canaan Creek. That's what they call it. What the Mormons have laid up will be there for us. Does that mean that it will be immediately available? Or is it during this three-year period from August, July and August of 2017 until they're destroyed. doesn't say when during the third year, does it? So there might be a month or two or three from the time martial law occurs and we can't go out the gate and can't go to town, in which we have to take care of ourselves. Are you ready? Have you got enough to sustain yourself for six months? Might be that long, might not. But does it hurt to have food in the house? You know, most Americans have no more than a three-day supply of food. After three days, they go to the store. And if the store is empty, they go home without. That's going to happen. And it could be this coronavirus that sets it off. Very possible. Do you dare say this isn't it? Do you dare say that? This may be it. Could very easily be it. The time frame seems to be right. You're going to have to go to somebody else's house here to get food? Or do you have enough to take care of yourself? Look to the ant. Wake up. Lay up enough. How much does an ant lay up? About six months worth. That's how long it is sometimes in some places between the time that they can't gather and until they can gather again. So I think that that's a, it's a good number. The Mormons say three years. I don't believe for a moment we need three years worth. 
But we might need six months' worth. I don't know. Chapter 16, verse 4 here. He says, well, I've already covered that. Let's, let's just move on. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 55 for a little encouragement. He says the gathering will come. Sounds like after Passover in chapter 53, it'll happen in 54 right after Passover. That means that if this is the year this summer, after Passover, when signs and wonders will have been done, they will recognize Christ working there and will begin to come. Could very well be this summer. And he tells us to get ready for it there at the beginning of chapter 54. And that God will bless us and bring children to replace those that we have lost. And we've lost some even here. We've got some still here that have to go away. That God says are rebels and will be cast out. But in chapter 55, he says, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come you to the water. Now, people in the cities of this nation will not have water, and they will not have food. So he says, come to the water. Now, that can be a good doctrine. It can also mean water to drink. And he that has no money, money will be worthless. Why even haul it with you? Come buy and eat without money. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Food will be freely given. Now, there is a time there where people will not be working. And they'll be fed anyway. Now, that's not a contradiction of what I said earlier about if you don't work, you don't eat. Because they will be traveling from all four corners of the earth. They will arrive here with nothing but the clothes on their back and have nothing. And they'll need to be fed and watered. And we're here to help with that. And God is going to cause some miracles that will help with that. What the Mormons leave behind will help with that. <coughs> now, are they not going to work forever? No, there's work to be done. But there has to be organization, and then we have to build a temple and then build Jerusalem. So they're going to go to work. But when they first get here, they won't be working, but they'll be fed anyway. And then they'll be put to work. And they'll be willing to work. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently to me, and eat you that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. <coughs> Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I'll make a covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David, <coughs> and David here is probably a type of Zerubbabel, who's a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. And then he tells us to find God and call upon him while he is near. Forsake our evil ways and our evil thoughts and serve God, and we'll have rain that comes down as snow from heaven. Former latter rains. We'll have that kind of blessing come upon us in the first month, Joel says. And so do other scriptures. So God has said, he'll take care of us. 
I won't go to Zechariah 2 here for sake of time. Wow, I'm already way past. I didn't realize that. He says we'll have a wall of fire around us to protect us. What does that mean? I don't know. It means protection. Some people said, well, there'll be smoking volcanoes and it'll run everybody else off. Well, you know what volcanoes do? They give you clouds of ash and smoke. And you don't breathe that very good. I've tried. It doesn't work very well. Used to get it in Alaska sometimes. Or got it in Montana from Mount St. Helens even. An inch, nearly an inch of ash in western Montana. I don't consider that a good wall of fire. And yet, uh, Isaiah 4, 6 says that God will cause a covert from the rain and the snow to be over Zion. He's going to put a protection bubble over the area. That might keep out the smoke and the ash. So it still could be volcanoes. It might be a literal wall of fire. Maybe it'll be a smokeless fire. I don't know. Or it might just be fiery angels. Remember that account? Well, suddenly you could see these chariots of fire. All it means is God's going to protect. I don't know exactly how. I don't even really care. As long as he protects us. So he says we'll have water and food and we'll have his protection. Beautiful. But does that mean we should not prepare ahead of time? I don't think so. Look to the ant and lay up for a time of need. An ant's time of need comes every winter. Ours will only come this once. But it would be best to be prepared than unprepared. So I think we need to take it seriously. The U.S. government is going to disappear. It's going to be replaced by the beast power. And they say you can't buy or sell without their number. And if you take their number, you're going to go into the lake of fire. So you'd better come under the only protection on earth, and that's God's protection. And believe it. No, I will not run a bed and breakfast anymore with people from all over the world coming to it. But when people come from all over the world to serve God, I will accept them with open arms because I know he's going to take care of us. He sent them. It's his doing. He will make sure everything is good. Will he find faith on earth? We have a wonderful time here to prepare ahead of time for whatever we might need and yet to depend upon him because in a worldwide pandemic, if you don't have God's protection, you are in great jeopardy. So let's do our part and be ready in case we have to shut the gates for who knows how long. Because it will likely come to that. And it could be real soon. It could be within a week or two. It could be within a month. Certainly within two months if this pandemic gets going like they say it would. How long do you have time to prepare? Maybe just a little bit. Maybe a little bit more. I don't know. But I'm getting concerned to go down to Walmart or Costco or anywhere right now. Because people are traveling back and forth, forth and back all over the place. 
And even St. George, Utah could already have someone there who is communicable. I don't know that. But I don't know it's not true either. It's insidious. It's scary. Now, should we panic? No. But we should prepare for the day we can't go to Hurricane or St. George or maybe even Bees. The day is coming. God says so. There will be famine and pestilence in the land, and one-third of the nation will die from it. Enough said.